You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Jeff Hawkins. WWE Evolution does well for itself. Raw sort of phones it in for Crown Jewel. SmackDown changes its role in Crown Jewel. And NXT gets its own NXT. This is Shake Them Ropes, episode 293. Jeff Hawkins, writing solo. Chris Novembrino is feeling under the weather. Feel free to tweet him at Chris Novembrino. Tell him you hope he feels better soon. Starting off with some uh, house cleaning tips for the show. Uh, The Patreon is now live. Now look, neither Chris nor I are looking for quit your job money. But we are going to start doing two shows a week, it looks like. Looks like last week was kind of a success, despite me ruffling some feathers inadvertently with some of the other shows at Voices of Wrestling, because I didn't tell them I was doing this, and I just kind of uploaded it willy-nilly. Mea culpa, I'll do better next time. But this is more of a tip jar. This is more of a, hey, you've been around for four years. Here's a few bucks for some of the expenses you've incurred. We enjoy the show. Um, We don't have a lot of rewards. I'll be honest with you. We're going to do probably one show a month, maybe two shows a month. Um, Generally on what certain subjects that probably don't fit the greater WWE narrative, maybe some flashback stuff. Uh, potpourri, music, because both Chris and I love old music, so we may go into a bit of that. So it'll probably be where the AMAs are from now on if either of us decide to do an Ask Me Anything. Uh, look, you get it for any tier you want. I just set up a bunch of tiers up there. If you want to give it to us, great. If you don't, totally understand. We're still going to give you free content because I enjoy doing this show, even if I don't always enjoy WWE. So, um... You can find that at patreon.com slash shakethemropes. All the information is up there. As soon as I figure out how to work this dumb thing, uh, we'll be great. But, yeah, just wanted to let you know it's up there. Appreciate your support, whether it's free or whether it's paid. And if you want to throw, you know, life-changing money at us, we, we will take that. Trust us, we will take that. So, WWE Evolution happened Sunday night. I thought it was a solid show from top to bottom. I thought it over-delivered in many parts. Um, Nothing especially let me down, per se. There was, I had a little bit of an issue with the Battle Royal, but I'll get into that as we go on. I thought the SmackDown Women's Championship match, what I said to Chris was, in, in the past few weeks, was Becky Lynch deserves a match that will be remembered as much as, you know, any of the Charlotte-Sasha title matches where Sasha won, or Bailey-Sasha from TakeOver, or even the Iron Woman match. I think she's now had her main roster coming out party, so to speak. Not, not that, you know, the triple threat at Mania a couple years back was good. This is the match that people will talk about when they talk about Becky Lynch, at least for now. Uh, great match, I thought. Uh... Not as good as Sasha Bailey in Brooklyn. I will I will take issue with that. I know David Bixen's band thought that this was probably the best match in women's history. Um, I think these types of matches owe a lot to smoke, mirrors, and carnage in many ways. Um, if the feud was a little bit better, maybe. But Bailey Sasha had such a well-built feud for a number of months. And the match itself, I think, in a bubble was a little bit better and over-exceeded expectations as such that it's still, 
it's still the gold standard, I think, in in at least WWE's women's canon. Uh, Alex Pawlowski, my friend over at Fightful, uh, thinks that Charlotte's being booked a bit too much she-hulky, that she was a bit too powerful in this match, given the circumstances, but I think that made, at least in this instance, the Becky Lynch win a lot more special. I think I'm... She's still getting booked as a heel, though. But they're starting to turn that corner. I, I, I'm i not going to go all out. I think she's still going to be a heel for the better part of her run. But obviously the most popular woman on the night was Becky Lynch. Obviously this crowd was way, way behind her on this. Um, And props to Charlotte, too. We, we don't... We don't give her... I don't want to say we don't give her enough credit because she gets credit. But it's not always the right kind of credit. She is tough as hell to go through the table like she did. Uh, I think her, when the table didn't break on the moonsault spot, I think she was very clever, both of them, in calling an audible and not doing the same spot again, but doing a spot that would break the table. Uh, Taking those shots with the kendo sticks, taking those shots with the chairs... Charlotte gave her body to get Becky Lynch this win. And we shouldn't forget that when we're looking over this. Yes, Becky got a very important win in her canon in WWE history, but Charlotte Charlotte sacrificed her body and parts of her health for it. And for that, you know, we should really commend her on it. I thought in the Raw Women's Championship match between Ronda and Nikki Bella, I think Nikki Bella... Look, I said I was going to have doubts on how she'd do. I thought she did fine. I thought she was solid. Maybe not most spectacular, but she was solid. Uh, I yelped on the uh, rolling arm bar off the top spot because I thought Ronda had yanked her arm out of her socket. I, I just went, wow. But, you know, Nikki Bella, kudos to her because it it's hard with a athlete of Ronda Rousey's stature to be seen as a bully in the ring against her. But I think for what they gave her in terms of offense, I think Nikki Bella did fine here. I, I I don't, my issue with Nikki Bella was always, I thought she was overvalued in terms of the historical narrative that they told in terms of how they got to this point. That was, and that was my uh, beef, but you know what? I was proven wrong in terms of the match. I thought the match was going to be a lot sloppier than it was but it was fine I, I thought for me I liked the Brie Bella touch with the flag of Bella Lucian homage to stepdaddy Johnny Ace there I thought that was kind of cool um for the rest of the cards Trish Stress and Lita defeated Mickey James and Alicia Fox who was filling in for Alexa Bliss who still had a concussion I thought Mickey James did a good job of helping Trish on the on the uh stratisfaction and also look Alicia Fox missed the the kick at, at two and a half. And the problem with these spots is it's based on timing. And if you get caught in the ropes or if you forget and have a mind slip because you're concentrating on something else, it happens. But Mickey James tried to at least warn Trish that that wasn't coming, that she should kick out. Now, it didn't get there in time. Referee probably should have called three. Didn't. So the ending was a little bit anticlimactic. But the, the match itself... You know, Lita and Trish had their moments at 
Royal Rumble. This was a nice goodbye match for them. Um, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping we evolve from them now, um, because while they were good, they weren't at the level of today's modern performer, and nor should you expect them to be. But I think they expect them to do all the hits. And I don't know how many years Lita has left of doing a moonsault. Uh, Trish has obviously lost a little bit, but you'd expect that. She's happy, and she's a wife, and she's a mom, and she's a businesswoman. So, uh, But overall, I thought a good opener for this crowd, and this crowd was hot for everything. I think this crowd had a vested interest in making this show a success. I think they were going to... I, I wouldn't say be easy on them. I think they were a discerning crowd. But they were definitely going to say, hey, we need to be excited for everybody to show this company that we like women's wrestling. And for that, kudos to the crowd because you guys helped. I loved the presentation of this show. I thought the darkening the audience, putting the focus on the women in the ring, good step there so that nobody's distracted by anything in the crowd. We're just keeping focus on the performers tonight. I liked that touch. Very old-school touch, because that's what they used to do in the territories. You darken the audience so you can't see them, so you focus on the performers in the ring. Liked it. Nia Jax wins the 21 Battle Royale. Every woman got a little bit of a thing here, except maybe Molly Holly, who I thought was eliminated a little bit quickly. The one thing I didn't like, and this will also go into my notes on Raw on her, I did not like what they did with Ember Moon here. Don't get me wrong. The spot with Asuka was great, that she finally overcame that. But if you give her that, and then you put her in the ring with both Tamina and Nia Jax, you have to have her overcome the odds. You have to especially when she's the second most popular woman in that crowd. You call an audible, or you realize this crowd is going to know about the Asuka-Ember Moon storyline. You want to know how I know? Because you knew enough to book it. So you don't have Tamina wait there while Ember turns around and then catches her, takes out Tamina, and only to lose to Nia. You just have Tamina dump Ember Moon. That's all you had to do. And then you get to your Ember Moon, Tamina stare down, which was the whole point. Because the next night, I have no idea, because Nia Jax gives this weepy, you know, I'm so happy. You know, they're obviously using a lot of the PR from her Body Image Award to, to do this. And then the next night, she attacks Ember from behind during a match as Tamina's coming down, pins her one, two, three. And some people call this a heel turn. I'm like, no. This is how they book alpha baby faces. They are the lone wolves with no friends who who grasp the brass ring and they and they take advantage of situations. In other words, alpha baby faces in the WWE act like dicks. They act like heels. And it's just it drives me insane. It's the weak baby faces that we don't see anything in, and then we're going to book 50-50. They get distracted by people walking down the ringside. It's not the good baby faces. No, no, no. It's these other ones that we don't care about. And so in the course of two nights, Ember Moon, who has had red-hot popularity, had a cool down, goes back to being red-hot, and is cooled down yet again. And it, it's just I, there are other ways to do this to get to what you want. It's almost like 
they view popularity as a zero-sum game in the WWE. It's like, okay, if... You remember when they did the Rock-Cena build? They said, well, half the audience is going to like Cena and half the audience is going to like The Rock. Well, that's not necessarily true. Because I think 70% of the audience liked Cena and 90% liked The Rock. You, they, they can still like more than one person in a match and do that. But I think there's some weird thing where they go, well, you know what? If people like Ember Moon, that must mean that they've turned on Nia Jax and they're going to boo her. They're, they're, the, it, it's insane to me. So we have to cool down Ember, and those fans will then start cheering for Nia. Those, those fans will pour it over, and that's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. That's old, old school thinking. When you had clear dynamics on heel face and also built a lot better in terms of grudge matches. This is These grudge matches weren't... I mean, she was almost snarky to Ember Moon in that promo on, on Monday, and I'm like, well, wait a second. You've been building this woman up with the Body Image Awards and all these other things for, for like two or three weeks since she's come back. And now she's just going to snap one night when it's not... I, I It was very confusing to me. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they did turn her heel, but I think that was a baby face... It, it, it's just how they book alpha baby faces as opposed to beta baby faces. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know at crap game 13. You can always hit me up there. I'm always happy to chat. I'm always happy to be told I'm wrong. Cause God knows I've been told I'm wrong this week a lot, uh, on non wrestling stuff. Tony storm defeated Io Shirai to win the 2018 may young classic. Good match. Thought they could have used five more minutes. Um, I think there's a problem with the crowd connecting with Tony Storm's finisher because it is just a basic sit-out powerbomb as opposed to what she uses on the indies, which is a package pile driver, which is far more devastating, and you know it's that's it, that's the finisher. And they really had to get that over on commentary that the powerbomb is now her finisher. And just, you know, yelling that's her finisher kind of doesn't get it over. Um... The power bomb, you know, you see it in matches now all the time where it doesn't finish people, so I don't think people expect it. But the match itself was good. I think the right person won. Um, I think I think it sets up something for Io and Kyrie Sane down the road that they're obviously going to go towards. Uh, we'll get to that a little, in a little bit. Um, I also think that the short time may have been because there was fear that this is only for hardcores who have the network, and this isn't for a casual WWE audience. I think they miscalculated. I think the audience would have gone along with it. I think they were dying for kind of a well-told wrestling, quote-unquote, storyline, as opposed to a sports entertainment one, or a WWE-ized type style pattern match. Um, and I, I think they should have trusted, trusted the ladies more to deliver here as opposed to um, what I think happened. I think they just made it short because they didn't want them to overshadow the rest of the card and because of name recognition. Again, could be wrong. Natalia Bailey and Sasha Banks defeated the Riot Squad. I thought Liv Morgan overproduced here. I was wrong there. I was like, well, Liv, you know, she did it, did it. Nope, Jeff, you're wrong. You were wrong. W-R-O-N-G, R-O-N-G, however you want to spell it. 
I was wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrongity, wrong, 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 Jeff. Uh, this one, you could have taken five minutes off of and given to Tony Storm and Io Shirai. Very long match. Pretty good match, I thought. Um, crowd kind of died halfway through and then got back into it towards when they saw it was racing towards the finish, but I thought all six women did quite well in this match. Um, I think Sasha is protecting her knees now. Instead of doing Meteora, she's kind of doing uh, Thez presses, which is fine. <laughs> it's hard to land on your knees night after night after night. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I liked the match. I, I, I did. I thought it was very good. I thought it, it, it's... Uh, I liked the tribute to the Hart Foundation. I, I thought that was quite good. And... Uh, served as a buffer to okay now here are the main events here's the stuff we really think is important on the card and the only other match uh, i hadn't gotten to yet is the nxt women's championship Shayna baszler defeated Kyrie sane become a two-time champion joining other two-time champions such as shinsuke nakamura samoa joe and the revival i weep i weep guys i just ah oh, nxt championships um i liked this match it it wasn't uh, wasn't as good as I thought it would be, but it was still solid. Um, and it got to the point. The point was to introduce Jessamine Duke and Marina Schaefer in into the uh, lexicon. Uh, I was a little disappointed. No one came out to counter that, especially since it looks like, at least on social media, Io Shirai is going to be one of the people helping Kyrie Sane out here. I thought it would have been nice to have brought back Io to help out. Um. I understand why they didn't, uh, but uh, Shayna Baszler looks like she's going to be on top. I thought she might get brought up to the main roster to do something, but uh, you never know. Survivor Series could be interesting still because you're going to have Ronda and Becky, which is pretty darn cool, I think, and something could come out of that. Uh, more on Ronda and Becky. I want to talk to Chris about that on uh, on the Thursday night slash Friday morning show, depending on when it drops in your feed. Um, overall, though, solid show. I am a little bit done, though, with the crying and flowers for everything women. I think the first couple times, because it was so such a big deal, is fine. Now it's become almost rote, and I'm not as moved by it. But maybe it's just me being a bit jaundiced. That's something else I want you guys to ask me about or to tell me about. Do you think that they play it, play that card a little bit too much now? Um, or do you think that these are genuine emotions just coming out and, and we get to see them? Because I'm not sure. And I'm not sure it does the women any favors to show them as, well, these are just emotional beings who are who are so overcome by, by winning and having this moment that we gave them. And you're like, yeah, but they're still... They're still athletes, and they're still hyper-competitive. And sure, I'm sure it's important, but do we have to have them cry at every big moment? Again, theme of this show today, maybe I'm wrong on that. Let me know at CrapGame13. So if you hung around the WWE Network after Evolution and watched the Hardys Halloween special, um, I would recommend you do if you have not. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's unrepentantly stupid. But it really gets to the heart of what the Hardys were doing in TNA as the Woken Matt universe. 
versus anything they did on Raw or SmackDown or on the main roster for these guys. And I bring it up for two reasons. Number one, it's what the WWE Network should be. It's it's vanity projects by guys with their own creative control. It was fun. It was dumb. It gave callbacks if you were a watcher of all the other stuff they did. It had in-jokes about the WWE in there. Gave a little love to guys like the Carnies from the independent scene. Um, reason I also bring this up to me, if uh, the news today or this week was that Joey Janela's Spring Break 3, Spring, spring Break 4, God, what is it? it, it nevertheless, his... his Spring break for Game Changer Wrestling for Mania Weekend sold out. If the WWE wanted to, and I don't know if this would be a jerk move, because you don't need to do it head-to-head, but if you wanted to do something like a spring break for a more casual fan who wants to have fun Mania Weekend, you could do something run by Matt Hardy with a woke type theme and have guys that you don't ordinarily use or that you use poorly on the card. And Sean Ross put to me and goes, what's your dream card? And so, you know, all of a sudden I, I, I came up with, you know, a slapdash card with, I think my matches were things like, uh, I had the revival versus the rock and roll express. I had, uh, Zack Sabre versus Kurt Hawkins. I had, uh, Maxwell versus Hornswoggle, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, I think I had uh, Jeff Hardy versus Cassius Ono for the purists, or you could make a Cassius Ono versus Chad Gable. I think that'd be kind of fun. And then in the main event, you'd kind of do a video with interaction within the crowd of a Matt Hardy compound war that will eventually come back to the arena. And you have something like Matt and Jeff versus, I don't know, the Godfather and Hurricane Helms. You know, you use the lake, you use Sky's God, you use Senior Benjamin. You go through this hurricane uh, mind control thing. It's, it's just dumb fun if you want that kind of party atmosphere. As opposed to, I, I guess, the super seriousness of Mania. Because you can feel how important they think it is when you're in that city live. And, oh, we're doing all this charity work, and we have this Hall of Fame, which is a revered event. You don't have that really cut-loose party atmosphere because the because all the wrestlers are, are, you know, oh, they're professionals, and, you know, they're here for the signings, and, they're you know, it's all stuffy corporate, corporate stuff, and nobody really lets loose. If you wanted to do a Janela-type event, and, yeah, I know people would complain that they're just trying to take money from indie guys. I understand that. I understand. And that's a valid, valid criticism of my idea. But there's a certain sect that isn't super hardcore into indie that wants, that would love that kind of fun atmosphere. But within a WWE context, and I think you could do something like that with this Woken Universe... And, and uh, you know, it's it's just an idea. Let me know what you think, at Crap Game 13 I'd be remiss if I did not send happy trails to the boys over at Everything Evolves podcast. They have decided to hang it up after covering 
involved for a while now. I can't even remember how long it's been, but I think it's been a couple years. Uh, look, uh, NXT now has its own NXT, and I could see why you wouldn't want to put up with that if you are a hardcore indie guy, like they are. Um, Evolve has changed over the years. Some people think for the better, some people think for the worse. But uh, with the rise of super indies, Evolve is not the special place it used to be, in my opinion. I, I, I still have a lot of respect for it. I still, I've enjoyed the shows I've gone to. Um, it started to wane for me a bit on this last re refill, maybe two refills ago, if you consider it that, when you had Catchpoint kind of at the center of things. Um, I am, I respect Fred Yehi, but I don't necessarily enjoy his matches. I think WWN overextended itself a bit with this FIP stuff. Um, but yeah, news coming out of last Evolve show this past Sunday Fabian Eichner, now your Evolved Champion, and the Street Profits are now your Evolved Tag Team Champions. Fabian Eichner, you know what? I mean, we've every time we've watched him on WWE television, I believe he was in the Cruiserweight Classic as well. I will look that up while I talk. But uh, I I thought he he's looked great in squash matches too. Um, yeah, he was, and. Uh, Street Profits, I don't know. I think this is a little bit, no offense to Evolve, it is a little bit below the Street Profits pay grade. But I, I like I like it. I like that they're going to be wrestling other guys. I think it helps Montez Ford enough. I think Montez Ford is the guy to be a breakout here. Um, you know, they, they've, had, they've had people come there before and you couldn't show the matches on the streams because of the nature of the agreements and whatnot with WWE. Now you can show them probably more. Who knows if Evolve gets moved on to the network in one of these pricing tiers, perhaps. Uh, so that's at least something, but it's not... I mean, it's just going to be... It, it, it won't become just another WWE territory, but, but it won't be what it was. And I think, you know what? I think there's some animosity there from your loyal, hardcore, hardcore guys. And, and look, I am, I'm the clown prince of the Voices of Wrestling Network. And a lot of people will tell you I'm not even that funny. But I, what I mean by that is, look, I do a show about WWE. It's lighthearted. It's not terribly, you know, nuts and bolts. It's not hardcore indie. The WWE isn't for, you know, your technical wrestling clinic that wants every match to be, you know, three and a half stars and up and, you know, star ratings. You know, your voices of wrestling guys break down all those federations like that. Your everything Evolve does that. Your Omakaze does that. Uh, you know, the progress show we have on the network. It, it, those guys have such hardcore specialties for hardcore fan bases. I'm just a dude who tells jokes about a semi-decent to bad TV show a week. So, I mean... You know, I, I can understand them just going, look, we're not going to put up with this. So we're out of here. We're going to go do we're going to do podcasts about other things and other interests of ours. And, you know, I, I wish them well on that. I, I, I don't have any animosity towards them. They knew when to get out. I've stayed far too long. <laughs> Patreon.com slash them ropes. That's what you, that was such a, such a lame beg for cash statement by your boy. But, um, 
Yeah, so now NXT has its own NXT. You take the guys that you don't give a lot of TV time to, you stick them here, you intermingle them with guys who, you know, who, who, I don't know, man, because they got rid of so much talent from Evolve. I mean, I guess the guys who can work there, who will work there still. You have so many super indies out there now with Defy, you know, the uh, Black Label Pro, AIW, PWG still going strong. Overseas you have them. I mean, Evolve isn't isn't the luxury brand that much anymore, and they've decided to change with the times, and, you know, sometimes change isn't always the best thing. But we'll see how this goes. I'm excited to see what... Uh, what Montez Ford does here and Angelo Dawkins. It looks like they're building them up for something here. They've now kind of folded in uh, Mustafa Ali for a couple matches. Uh, you know, and now, you know, you can bring in your Velveteen Dreams occasionally again and show it on show it wherever they're going to show it. WWE heads into Saudi Arabia on Friday, our time. Eh, you know what? The Greatest Royal Rumble was nothing to watch. I will wait for the reports to see if there's anything worth watching on this show. And the Raw show to go home for it kind of showed to me a little bit of a lackluster effort, a little bit of a stretch-for-time effort here. Uh, you got a good 10-woman tag to hopefully send off Trish and Lita into the sunset. Hopefully not just until the Women's Royal Rumble next year. I hope it's... For good. I hope that's it and that's goodbye because it's time to focus on other people, you know. And you can you have other nostalgia acts you can bring back. It's fine. It's good. It's good to move on occasionally, as opposed to dwell on your successes. See the main event for Crown Jewel: Brothers of Destruction versus HBK and Triple H as DX. Kind of went how you thought it would. You know, brawl at the end to hype it. You now have this tournament. I, I would have called an audible on this because with Roman out, I think if you're going to call this tournament the greatest in the world, you know, with the changes in the card, no more Daniel Bryan on it, no more John Cena. And I thought the John Cena out was... You know, at least a nice little piece of continuity there where he did not qualify. So that was kind of cool. But, hey, let's, let's have this tournament be for the Universal Championship. We can put AJ Styles in here and say if he loses to a SmackDown guy that the title changes hands. And then you have him lose to a Raw guy if you don't want to switch the title in any way. Um, and you do it for the belt because, look, this is, you know, this is pretty much meaningless tournament. I'm not going to break down the card on Friday. I don't care who wins. I think your winner is going to be Rey Mysterio. Mostly because of the stipulation that if a SmackDown guy gets to the finals and he loses, he's no longer on SmackDown, which is interesting in its own right. Especially if you want to move a guy to Raw. <laughs> Sometimes you win by losing. You get to go to the A show over there. Um... Yeah, I, I thought the Braun-Brock stare down. You, you got to pull the trigger on Braun, guys. You you made him a heel, and then you turned him babyface subtly on this whole thing. And now he's back to being a babyface. 
He's lost. He lost to Brock Lesnar at No Mercy clean. You don't put him over this time, then it's just you know, figure out a way to build him back again. And they're not exactly great at that. Put the title on him. Put him in a feud with Drew McIntyre. Let's move on with our lives, guys. Let Brock go fight for the millions of dollars against, hopefully, Daniel Cormier. We'll see about that on Saturday. That'll be interesting if he loses. If he loses, there's no money in it unless it's unless it's with John Jones. So Brock Lesnar's contract kind of up in the air here. And, you know, Uncle Vince could always just throw money at him and not go. Because this is a... <laughs> The the irony here is that Saudi Arabia for the WWE purely transactional, no morality, no love, whatever. Just hey, you pay us, we'll be there. Same with Brock. You know what? Brock is treating this like a purely transactional business. And you know, if, if Vince just throws money at him, you see him getting bigger, you'll know Vince won the bidding war. Uh the interesting thing on this show to me was the quote-unquote debut of the Lucha House Party. I don't know if this is a death knell for 205. It feels like a death knell for 205 live. You have Leo Rush on Raw already. You have Drake Maverick on Raw already. You spread out a couple guys on SmackDown and you get rid of the guys you don't want. You throw Jack Gallagher over to the UK NXT, he'll be fine. I think Tony Nese deserves a spot somewhere. Maybe Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander end up on SmackDown. And then you get rid of the Cruiserweight Championship. Now, it, what it does is it beefs up the uh, rosters a little bit more, and you're already not using guys on the roster. So Cedric Alexander could possibly get a contract to sit backstage week after week after week and travel the world. And he can ask Zack Ryder how that feels. Uh, I... You know, I don't know if it's the end of 205 Live. It, it's just one of those things where it's like they are an integral part of 205 Live. I, I don't know why they're on Raw unless they're going to get killed by Braun. It, the tag division is not that interesting. They could get killed by the AOP. That might be why they're here. They're here to make the AOP look good. Who knows? I, I don't know why. They, it, it's such an odd... It's such a non-Vince McMahon-like call. It really is in some ways, unless it's just we can sell masks. I I don't understand it. I really don't. And then the Revival lost to him. So I'm just like, man, it's just clicking all my buttons, isn't it? You know, I thought the Revival gave him a heck of a match. I enjoyed the match for what it was, but this tag division is so useless. I mean, if you saw the build... (laughs) You have the AOP just destroy Root and Gable and the Ascension. And you're just like, huh? You know, what good is killing the Ascension these days? Everybody's killed the Ascension these days. And Root and, and, and Gable weren't built up long enough for you to give a damn about them. So what good does this do the AOP to do that? None. Zip, zero, nada. Uh, oh, and then... Oh, guys, I mean, are you here for this Elias and Jinder Mahal feud? I understand you got to give Elias some babyface credibility. But, man, that, that was a slog to get through. That was something. <laughs> I think that's all they wanted to give you on Raw this week was something. I, I went through the Nia Jax Ember Moon thing. I still don't understand it. 
Still don't get it. The Apollo Crews push lasted all of one week. Congratulations to him for getting that far. Over on SmackDown, thought they were quite clever in getting rid of Daniel Bryan. They kayfabed it up until the match. I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm, I'm torn on that because I think, you know, it keeps the reality of the world. But you've already established this isn't a world where reality matters necessarily. I think I would have given up the ghost. I think I would have said, hey, we're giving it to you tonight, tonight, uh, due to unforeseen circumstances. Daniel Bryan can't travel or whatever. I thought they hit it well. I thought the match with itself was okay. I like the introduction of Joe. I think that'll be an interesting match. Gives AJ a solid opponent again, if not going back to the well a little bit too soon, but they kind of had to do it out of necessity. Much like R-Truth got subbed in for Ty Dillinger, who has to get, uh, who has an injured hand. I think he has to get surgery on it. Um, so they may do with Shinsuke Nakamura killing R-Truth. Okay, I'm fine with that. I liked Becky's promo about the Ronda Rousey match coming up at Survivor Series. I would not put too much stock in that match. Champion versus champion match. Screams of something screwy going to go down as opposed to getting one clean over the other because, of course, you don't want to beat one necessarily. Watch. That's, God, I'm going to be so wrong on that. Uh, Charlotte did not want to. We're going to have another laundry wars at Survivor Series, it looks like. Charlotte said she did not want to captain the women's team or that she was the wrong one for the job for the women's team. So we're going to get, it looks like we're getting a five-on-five five match. I wonder if we're going to get, you know, <laughs> Bailey and Sasha coming over and jumping the Iconics or, or whatever they do with these things. It, it's somewhat ridiculous. We get the usual Halloween gimmick match with costumes and the like. I, I thought, man, I, I do not want to be Biggie taking that bump on those pumpkins that did not break for him. Don't know if they were plastic or they were just very, very ripe. But, boy, that did not look like a fun bump to take. Another kind of throwaway show, I thought, you know, for Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel is about, it's basically it was about the universal title match, which is thrown into flux because of the loss of Roman Reigns, and the DX Brothers of Destruction, you know, and, you know, the nostalgia kind of folded in with, the current guys, and that's fine. Renee Young's going over with them. Somewhat interesting, I think, geopolitically. Who knows if they're going to make her wear more traditional clothing over there, uh, covering up. I'll be very interested if they do, what the reaction to that will be, because they're already getting killed by some of the more woke media figures here in America. You know, your John Olivers, yet again, crushing WWE on HBO. See how much they want to fight that. Although, you know what? Them, Saudi Arabia, allowing a woman to come on and do the broadcast. Somewhat progressive. So, you know, you have your yin and yang. Uh, Cena and Brian, as we reported last week, not on this show. Presumably for different reasons, I think. But, you know what? It's making lemons out of lemonade. WWE allowed their guys to not go. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pat them on the back for that. But it is something. They could have told Daniel Bryan to pound sand and get on the plane. So I mean, I, I, I think the show is completely missable. I, I don't think, I think you can wait 
and and hear about the card and then go back and watch anything that's worth watching on that. But overall, I don't see the use. I don't see the use of watching this. If you watch the Greatest Royal Rumble, that card underdelivered so heavily. You know the matches. They you know even. I mean, you look at this card and you think even Joe and AJ, it's gonna be kind of a house show, half speed. Don't do a whole lot, but do enough to get the crowd excited. Don't steal the show. Probably ends with Joe getting DQ'd somehow. Kind of like they had Nakamura get DQ'd. So you know, if you got nothing to do on over the weekend, pop it on. I'd prefer you you watch Evolution instead. But. Uh, We'll see what happens on NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live. I almost said the Mae Young Classic, but that's not playing this week. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris Novembrino at Chris Novembrino. You can follow Rob McCarron at whatever he's changed his name to. I think it's now like Robbie Barstool. I miss Rob. Not that I don't like Chris, but I miss Rob occasionally. I'm going to try and get him on for some of these Patreon shows. We'll see you on Friday, hopefully. Good night.